1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What should I do with my life? The question that has plagued college-age men and women since college was invented, which might be a slight exaggeration, but probably not. And I know this firsthand. When I was a college student, I started at Missouri State. It was Southwest Missouri State back then. Uh, I went there for a year and a half, and I hated every second of it. So I went out to Denver, Colorado, to Colorado Christian University, where I spent one semester, which was amazing. I climbed mountains and hiked trails and did all kinds of Colorado-y things, and I barely went to class, which is why I was there for one semester. So then I came home. I worked for a year, waited tables, saved up money, went and backpacked Europe for a summer, which was also awesome. And then I came home. And then I went to Merrimack Community College for one semester, which was fine. And then I enrolled at UMSL one week before classes started, Dropped out of UMSL the Friday before classes started, enrolled at MOBAP on Monday, and then started classes there on Tuesday. I did a full year and a half at MOBAP and actually finished my undergrad, and then I got my master's at Covenant Seminary, where I actually stayed for an entire four years. Thank you. I'm very proud of that. So I know a little something about wondering what to do with your life and trying all of the options to figure it out. In fact, that's why the elders at Matthias hired me to be the director of college ministry, I think. Uh, they saw that I had been to all of the colleges and figured I must know something about college, which is probably not true. But here's the thing. I believe in that season of life, you can spend a lot of time wondering and worrying about what you should do with your life because you want to know what life is going to be in 20 years. Who will I marry, and what will my job be, and where will I live, and how many kids will we have, and will we be dog people or cat people? And we worry about these things because we feel like the life we will have in 20 years is our purpose and our calling, and we need it now to be fulfilled. That's our goal, but I want to encourage you. God does not just have a purpose for your life 20 years from now. God has purpose for your life as it is today, right now. He has you on the campus you're on for a purpose. And he gave you the family he did for a purpose. He, he, you work at the job you do for a purpose right now. Not this future 20 years from now that might happen or 10 years or 5 years, but right now. A few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Mark casted the vision for something called The Seven. It's a missional blueprint for all places of residence, for houses, apartments, assisted living homes, whatever. And if you, if you weren't at Matthias that night, worshiping with us the night that it launched, I encourage you to go back into the app and find that sermon because it really lays a foundation for what we're doing right here. I believe college students are in an unbelievably unique opportunity for mission. Being in a dorm on campus is unlike anything else you will likely ever do in your life. Even if you're a commuter or you don't even go to school, which remember, I did all of those things, so I know this, this time in, you, in your life is unique. And we want to help equip you for what mission can look like during this season. So we're launching this training that we're doing right now 
for the Seven campus specific to mission as a college student? So if we want to answer that question, what should I do with my life? I believe we really need to start with another question. Who are you? I say that because who you are determines what you do. Again, who you are determines what you do. Or said another way, identity determines mission. Okay, so take this basic example. I'm six foot two, so I'm a reasonably tall guy. I'm not Shaquille O'Neal, but I'm taller than most of the people, right? So being tall is something that I am. It's not something that I do. I am tall. I do not do tall. But being tall determines some of the things that I do. When I get in a car, I push my seat all the way back so my legs fit so that I can drive. When I walk under a tree with low-hanging branches, I duck. If I didn't duck, I'd bang my head on the branch. I am tall. I am not a, I'm not a duck. <laughs> you know what I mean. So, so who I am determines what I do. I am tall, so I duck. Identity determines mission. So who are you? I want to go back to that passage I read at the beginning to get some foundation of an answer. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. If you are a Christian, a child of God, or let's say it like this, if you recognize God as King and Jesus as Lord and you go to him for forgiveness, this is who you are. You are, we are, a chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, people for his own possession, in light, God's people, shown mercy. And this is what these things mean. A chosen race means that we are selected to be united. We are chosen by God, not because we are the best. In fact, Scripture says God chooses the weak and the lame and the outcast and the oppressed. So this is not something to brag about. It's something to be thankful for and humbled by. We are all chosen, a new race, not defined by skin color or language or any other artificial barrier, but united together, not as sons and daughters of America or Africa or Brazil or India or Asia, but as sons and daughters of God. We are a royal priesthood with access to the king and access to the world. The king has decided to grant us access to the throne room where we can represent the people that we know. Through our open doors, we can get to know people and then we can represent them to the king and he hears us when we speak. We can come before him, a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, set apart under one flag. That's what holy means. It means we are set apart. It means as the church we have been chosen and saved, not set aside and moved on from after we were saved, but set apart for a purpose, selected like you would select a Navy SEAL team for a mission, set apart and placed under one banner, the banner of the kingdom of God. Our citizenship is first and foremost in heaven. Our allegiance is to the cross, 
above and beyond the American flag or our school or our city. And we love these things and we fight for these things and, and these things are a part of who we are. But above all, we are set apart to be a nation regardless of earthly allegiance. We are together a holy nation. We are a people for his own possession. We are God's people. He treasures us. He values us. He loves us and we are his and you are his We are in light, in his presence, and able to see the truth. Once we were blind, but now we see. Jesus says he came to give man life, and life to the fullest. As God's people, we are able to see the world in a way that we could not before, and experience it in a way that we could not before. We are able to see truth. And we've been shown mercy, no longer going to receive wrath, which we deserved. We deserve to go to hell and be separated from God and punishment because we rebelled and we sinned. But we have been shown mercy, which is when something bad that you deserve is withheld from you. And God has withheld his wrath, which we deserved from us. Therefore, we have received mercy. So this is who we are, chosen race, royal priesthood, set apart, shown mercy, This is who we are, just according to these two verses. And scripture is full, full of rich, deep passages that that explain who we are, what our identity in Christ is. This is just these two verses. This is who we are. So what do we do? I am tall, so I duck. We are chosen, so we we are his people, so we, we are in light. We are shown mercy, so we, what? According to these two verses, we proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. And there are so many implications to all of these things, but summed up in its simplest form, we proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness. And this is way more simple than I think we make it out to be sometimes. See, God did these things. He chose us. He sanctifies us. He saves us. He makes us his people. He does these things. He brings us out of darkness and into light. So proclaiming the excellencies of him who did these things simply means this. Speak and live as if you have the knowledge that these things happened to you and that God did and does these things. We get scared of the word witness, I think, in the church sometimes. Because we feel like the word witness means we have to have some four-step gospel presentation that we're ready to bust out at the drop of a dime uh, with like 12 scripture references and a testimony that involves radical sin and drugs and prison and then salvation and and a two-minute prayer uh, of salvation that we can offer to the person at the end so they can respond. And don't get me wrong, all those things can be good and honoring to God, but here's what the word witness means. It means you saw something and you tell people what you saw. I mean, think about it. That's what happens in a courtroom, right? You call a witness because they saw a crime happen, and then they tell you what they saw. So how do we proclaim the excellencies of God? We witness, meaning we talk about what he did in our lives. We proclaim his excellencies, the amazingness of what he's done and who he is through our words. And it's not coming up with this amazing, detailed, like, plan that we can throw out to everybody that covers everything, all it is is simply recounting the things that he's done in your life. So what has he done in your life? 
We also proclaim the excellencies of God through our actions. What he did changes our identity. We were not a people, but now we are a people. We had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. We were in darkness, but now we're in light. And identity determines mission, which means that your identity, as it changes from darkness to light, from not a people to a people, as our identity changes, our actions change. And people see that. And by simply living out of our true new identity in Christ, we proclaim the work that he did in us. I know that you go to college for a lot of reasons. You go to earn a degree and to get a job and to learn, sort of, and to make friends and have fun and get out of your parents' house. Then you go for all these reasons because you're thinking of your future and all these things are good. And on campus, you're a student and you're a Delta Zeta and you're a baseball player and you're an RA and you're a sophomore and you're whatever, fill in the blank. But I don't want you to forget for one second who you really are. Above all of those things, who you are in Christ. Chosen, set apart, shown mercy. This is who you are. Because your identity will determine your mission. And if that's not who you are, if you do not believe that you've been chosen and set apart and show mercy, you can right now become that person through the mercy of Jesus Christ and his grace and forgiveness. God can be your king too. And all of these things can be true about who you are despite where you came from because like I said, God chooses the weak and the oppressed and the sinner. Identity will determine your mission. I said that earlier, that who you are determines what you do, and I believe it's true, but we can really mess it up in our minds because sometimes what we think we are determines what we do. So I'm tall, and that's definitely true, so I definitely have to duck when I go under low-hanging branches, but if I think I'm short or if I forget that I'm tall for some reason, it doesn't change the fact that I am actually tall. So if I don't duck, no matter how many times I think I'm short, I'm still banging my head on the branch. And it's possible for me to just keep forgetting I'm tall and keep walking around and with a misunderstanding of my identity and I'll keep banging my head on the low-hanging branches and eventually I'll get a concussion because my identity doesn't change. I still am tall even if I don't think I am. And it's possible for us to get to forget and misunderstand that we are God's people. And it's possible for us to forget and misunderstand that we've been shown grace. And it's possible for us to forget and act as though we are not a chosen race. And it's possible for us to walk around campus banging into branches everywhere we go. But my hope is to constantly remind you of who we are, who you are in Christ, an unchanging identity, that is based on what he has done, not on what you do. Because you are saved for a purpose. You are on campus, in class, with your friends and teachers and coworkers for a purpose. And that purpose, that mission, is determined by your identity. Not just your identity 20 years from now and who you will be, but right now, who you are and what your purpose is. So we're gathering on Thursday, June 15th at 6.30 p.m., at the Matthias Building, and this is open to all college-age men and women, whether you're in school or not, or live on campus or not, or whatever. 
Thursday, June 15th, 6.30 p.m., 2017. And we're going to talk through the implications of who we are and what that means our mission on campus is. And we have some leaders who love college students very much that are going to share some of their stories about how this has impacted their time on campus and when they were students. And we're going to do this three more times over this summer also, each time with a slightly different topic, but always with the focus being mission on campus and how specifically the concept of the seven plays out for us on campus. So I hope to see you there again June June 15th, Thursday at 6.30 p.m. at the Matthias Building. All the details are under the Events tab in the Matthias app, which you're already listening to this podcast, which means you already have. So just go to the Events tab, check out the details, the seven campus training for college students to live on mission as ambassadors in Christ for Christ on their campus. Hope to see you all there. Love you.